Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. This week, Pastor spoke about being wise. Join us in Proverbs 1-7. Last week we talked about be consistent. And we were talking from Hebrews chapter 10 in the need to be consistent in uh, holding fast to that profession of faith that we have. Being consistent in our encouragement of others. And being consistent not to forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is. You, you see the writer of Hebrews, you remember the writer of Hebrews was saying, hey, there was a group of people who had begun to forsake the assembling of themselves together. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. It's so incredibly important. And so we talked about being consistent last week. And this morning, our message comes from the book of Proverbs, which is a part of the Bible known as wisdom literature. You can look in the book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon and find this, this, this content known as wisdom literature. And here in Proverbs, what we find is a collection of teachings from Solomon to his young son. And, and obviously, this scripture was given to Solomon through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. All scripture is given by God through the inspiration of the Holy uh, Spirit. And what it is teaching us, and Solomon was trying to teach his son, was how to live his life in a way that not only pleased God, but that would bring God honor. And so uh, I think that not only was it profitable or needed for his son, but I would say that this type of instruction is good for all of us. Amen? I would suggest we all need it, and I want to be very clear from the offset this morning, this one message... This one message will not and cannot be an exhaustive study on being wise or living right. However, I want you to know from this, this passage of Scripture, I want you to know and I pray that God will use it to point each of us in the right direction. You see, if we're not careful, we get pointed in the wrong direction many times uh, by the words of others who may not be adhering to God's word. And so we have to be careful. And I pray that God will use us to point us in the right direction in order that we might be wise to a greater degree. I want us to begin, you're there at Proverbs chapter 2, but I'm guessing if your Bible is like mine, on the other side of the page, if you have a, a handheld Bible, if you have an electronic version of the Scripture, you might have to scroll back. But in Proverbs chapter 1, I want you to notice one verse here. In Proverbs chapter 1, notice with me, beginning in verse number 7, the Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I want you to notice right away where the emphasis there is in this, in this one verse. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Typically, when I say the word fear, or, or uh, any other words that are very similar, we think of terror. We think of some type of evil, some type of terror, some type of anxiety or agitation uh, that is present when, when we are surrounded with danger, when we're surrounded with evil or pain. But this is not, this is not what Solomon is suggesting here. What the Bible is saying is that you and I, when we fear the Lord, the idea is that you and I have a holy, a humble, and a reverent fear or awe of God. I've said it many times like this. When we have a true fear of God, we're going to have a right respect of God. We're going to have a right reverence of God. We're going to be standing in awe of God, all that he is, all that he has done, and all that he continues to be. 
I was talking with our Sunday school class a little bit earlier, and we were talking about this one verse, and, and uh, we were talking about uh, when we have a correct fear of the Lord, how we'll be living our lives. And I would suggest to you that if you have a proper fear of God, that you're going to live your lives in recognition that He is creator, and you and I are the creatures. You're going to have a correct recognition that He is the master, and you and I are the students or servants, if you please. So not only is he creator and is he master, but you and I are going to see him as our heavenly father and you and I as the children. And that's the right place to be. When we look at God and we say, this is who you are, the creator of the heavens and the universe. I mean, think about how small earth is. And yet he is acquainted with our grief, the Bible says. He is, he is acquainted with our suffering. We're able to approach His throne of grace and mercy where we might find help in our time of need. This is the very Creator that we serve. And so His Word gives us some, some direction where we can be wise. And so we're going to look in, verse number, in chapter number 2. I like what Oswald Chambers says. He says, The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. I would also say this. If you have no fear, you're going to have no worship. We were talking about this in Sunday school. If you have no fear, you're going to have no worship. If you have no fear of God, there's not going to be any service. There's not going to be any uh, real control in your life if you're not fearing who God is. And the Bible says this is the beginning of knowledge. This is where knowledge or wisdom takes off. See, a lot of us, we go to school we get that four-year degree. Some of us go on and we get postgraduate degrees. We get the master's degree. We get the doctorate degree. And yet, we are living in a time that is more biblically illiterate than any time before. We're searching for wisdom as that old song goes and looking for it in all the wrong places. But today, I want to encourage you to begin the search for a holy wisdom. A holy, godly wisdom that is based and embedded on the fear of the Lord. Notice with me in chapter 2. If you're a note taker, I'm going to give you a few things. First, I would suggest be wise by being receptive. Be wise by being receptive. Verse number 1 of our passage says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. Now, just stop right there. This verse number 1 this passage cites some preliminary conditions for you and I that will result in a greater fear of our God Jehovah and will result not only in a greater fear, but will result in a greater knowledge of Jehovah who is the source of our wisdom. Notice what it says again. It says, my son, if. What you're going to find in these first few verses of Proverbs chapter 2 is the word if, if, if. And the word if, by the way, is laced all through Scripture. The implication is this, if you do this, then here's the, here's the result. If you don't do this, then here's the result. It's like I say all the time, we make choices and choices make us. We make choices and choices make us. Folks, if you want your family to walk with the Lord, men, you've got to lead your family to walk with the Lord. I have no other recourse but to follow what God's Word says. And the Bible says that we, men, are the spiritual leaders of the home. Good, bad, or ugly, indifferent, that's the fact from God's Word. 
If we're going to have our family walk with the Lord, then we have to set the example. And I would say a good example, whether you're a man, boy, uh, woman, or girl, is to be receptive. Listen, his sayings, his commandments, his teachings, his principles are all found in one place, in the precious Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, remember I preached it uh, uh, last year, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. We sang it as children, and yet it seems that as adults we have forgotten what we used to sing about. Drop down with me, because I just read verse number 1. Look at uh, in chapter 2, drop down with me and notice what verse number 10 says. And we're not going to go that far this morning, but I want you to notice after we have the results. Notice what it says. It says, when, speaking of the importance of being receptive, it says, when wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, verse 11, discretion. Now that word discretion means the outward manifestation of wisdom, okay, or godly counsel. So notice what it says. Discretion shall preserve thee. See, this this ability to take uh, uh, God's wisdom or God's counsel and put it into practice, it says it's going to result in this preservation of you and I. That word uh, preserve actually means to hedge about. You remember, uh, many of you may have ever prayed this. We pray this prayer in, in many circles. God, plant a hedge of protection around me. God, plant a hedge of protection that I might not see things that I shouldn't see, that I might not go to places I shouldn't go, that I might not do the things, you know, and we can go on and on with that idea. This idea here says that when wisdom enters our heart and knowledge is pleasant to our soul, it says that this outward manifestation of wisdom or godly counsel is what's going to be able to preserve us. It's going to put a hedge about us. Notice it goes on, verse 11. Discretion shall preserve thee, and understanding shall keep thee. Now that that word understanding there means the power to distinguish or separate right from wrong. You remember Solomon, he prayed for God to give him understanding. He says, God, give me knowledge, give me understanding. And God blessed him with that, And then you know God abundantly blessed him with riches and wealth and all these other things. But Solomon prayed for understanding. The Bible here says understanding shall keep thee. And that word keep means to guard or protect thee. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I can base my protection. My protection plan is from God's word. I can go to God's word. I don't have to listen... Uh, to the words of the wicked, I can go to God's word and find protection for my soul that will guard me and keep me. And then verse number 12 says this. It says, when wisdom, let me go back. When wisdom entereth into thy heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee to deliver thee from the way of the evil man. Now, we've been talking a lot about the way. Notice what it says there in verse number 12. It says, to deliver or rescue thee from the way. That word way means road or course of life of the evil man. It's talking about the wisdom, guys, that we can only find in God's word. If you flip over one page in your Bible, Proverbs chapter 4. Notice, guys, if you can put up, yeah, verse 5 and following. Proverbs 4, verse 5 and following. The Bible says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, 
neither decline from the words of thy mouth. What that says there is don't, neither turn away. Don't turn away from the words of my mouth. Pay attention. Notice it goes on. Forsake her not, and she shall, there's that word again, preserve thee. Love her, and she shall, there's the phrase again, keep thee. She shall guard thee or protect thee. Verse number 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Now, before we get too far in, in this thing, I want us to think about something. The true happiness of you, the true happiness of me, the true happiness of man or humankind, if you please, is going to have its foundation in the wisdom of God's Word. See, we can look for happiness in all kind of ways. We can go out and we can have the greatest job known to man. We can make uh, the greatest amount of money, which, by the way, is not always going to bring you happiness. Sometimes it brings you more trouble. I didn't, the Bible says that. And so we can go out and, and in our mind's eye, think of the different ways that we can be wise in this world. And we certainly can, can educate ourselves. We can certainly be better as far as education is concerned. But the true happiness of man has its foundation in the wisdom of God's Word. Think about it in John chapter 1. Guys, if you have that verse, put it up. John chapter 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, who is the Word speaking of? Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and the Word was God. It's speaking of Jesus as the very Word of God. And if we read on, we know that verse number 14 says that Jesus became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so if we think about the Word or the wisdom of the Word can only be found in Jesus, and then we couple that together with a couple of other verses, verses like 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 11, where the Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then we think about what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10 that says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Our source of happiness begins when we recognize that we're sinners. Our source of happiness begins when we realize that we are undone, that we are unable to truly be happy in ourselves. That's when our source of happiness begins. I know it's a conundrum and you say, what are you talking about? Until you recognize, until I recognize that we're all sinners and we're headed for a devil's hell, we'll never be able to be happy in Jesus because it's then when the Holy Spirit and the Word of God combine together, they work together, and they impart that ability for us to know that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, it's incredibly important. And I just ask myself, what are we supposed to do with the wisdom of God's word? What do we really do with it? I would suggest it's pretty important that we put it to good use. You think about the psalmist in Psalm 119. And just simply, and I would encourage you to read that whole psalm. But in Psalm 119, and I was going to read verses 1 through 11 just just so you could see what the psalmist thought. But notice what verse number 11 says. Verse number 11 tells us, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's the word that is embedded in the heart of the believer that keeps us walking according to the ways of God. 
Go back to verse number one of, of Proverbs chapter two. Verse number one. And the Bible says in verse number one, it says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with me. See, as as we receive God's truth and wisdom, the passage is also telling me that I need to store it up. I need to be storing it up. I remember when I was a child, my mother had uh, uh, a lot of, I guess, what they call costume jewelry. Okay, costume jewelry means that it's not very valuable, but sometimes it looks nice. Sometimes it looks a little gaudy, too. Let's just be honest. Uh, But she had uh, this thing that she kept all that in. It was called a jewelry. Some of you may have what has been referred to as a safety deposit. And both of those things are places where we keep our valuables. Uh, in today's uh, society, I know that even uh, my wife and I, uh, we have a, a small safe where we keep our marriage certificate, where we keep all our important papers, where we keep our, our passports and things like that. There's no money in there, so don't try and come steal it. I mean, it's like, everybody's like, oh, they got a little small safe. There's no money in there, believe me. <laughs> uh, and, and so, so, these safes, these safety deposit boxes. My grandpa, he was a big believer in, uh, in CDs. Years and years ago, it was, I was telling uh, Travis and some of the guys, years, years ago, my grandpa, he would make $5,000 and he would buy a CD. He would make $5,000, he would buy a CD. He would make $5,000, he would buy a CD. When my grandfather passed away, we found out that my grandfather had basically forgotten about these CDs that were in the bank, and many of them had been sitting there earning interest, are you ready, for like 50 years. (laughs) Oh, I can imagine that was my grandfather's thought. He's like, oh, I forgot those. (laughs) See, that's what we do when something's valuable. We store it up. The writer of Proverbs, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, it says, hey, listen, When you receive my word, you need to be storing it up. You need to be hiding it up. The psalmist also said, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. See, we have to store it up. Proverbs 10, verse 14 says, A wise man man lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. You see, when we are reading God's Word, when we're hearing it, when we're meditating upon it, in order to make deposits in our hearts and in our minds and our memories, that's when wisdom is going to begin to be stored up in our lives. Listen, I tell people all the time, just put something good in every day. The world's going to attack you and try to put a lot of bad in every day. But it's so incredibly important that we put a little bit of good in every day. We have these uh, daily praise books out here that you can just read. They're very short. You can take it, you can put it in your car, and before you walk into the office, put a little something good in because it might change your demeanor when you walk into the office place just having put some of God's Word into your head, into your heart before you go and you deal with the employees who you're about ready to wring their neck. It might be good if we put a little good in from God's Word before we get home at the end of the day so that we don't go in and we holler at our wives or our wives hollering at the husbands or we chastise one another for no good reason. See, it's so incredibly important that we be growing. 
By the way, in a couple of weeks, my message will be entitled, Be Growing. It is so incredibly important that we be wise. I think about it just as we try to build up our bank accounts, our retirement accounts, and our vacation accounts. We too should be endeavoring to build up our spiritual wisdom accounts. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse number 11, the Bible says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. We need to begin to be wise by being receptive. Number two, we also need to be wise by keeping our ears open. Not to the things of the world, but we need to keep our ears open to what God has to say. Notice verse number two, So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart unto understanding. That phrase there that says incline thine ear means that you and I are to listen attentively. That means if we have to get up, stand up, and listen attentively to what God has to say. Travis, over the past few months, we've been reading the scripture passage before the message. And he asked us to stand for the reading of God's word. One, to stand in respect and in reverence that it is God's word we are reading. But two, that we might stand and we might pay attention to what God is trying to say. I think about uh, uh, the fact that there are some people who listen, but not everyone hears. You ever had that happen in your family? It's like all the time, someone said all the time. (laughs) All the time. Bless you, my friend. It happens, it happens all the time. I mean, and it's not just with the kids. Don't walk around out of here blaming the millennials for everything. It's not just the Generation Z and the millennials and Generation Xers. It's the baby boomers, too. It's the, it's the greatest generation, too. The greatest generation had some sin in their life, too, folks. Or else Jesus wouldn't have had to come and give his life on the tree. We have to keep our ears open. It's incredible how some people say, I I listen to you. I listen to you, but are you really hearing? And yet you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, in the New Testament, my Lord and Savior and your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, over and over and over said, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Proverbs 1, verse 33, the very last verse of chapter 1, says, But whoso hearken unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. The idea of this one verse is the person who hears and prefers the voice of wisdom rather than listening to and being lured away by the words of the wicked, that person's going to dwell in safety. We have to have this holy desire to hear from God. Folks, Our ears and our eyes are the gateways that lead to our minds and our hearts. Men, your eyes are a dangerous weapon. They are the gateway that lead to your mind and to your heart. Be careful, little eye, what you see. Be careful, little eye, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little eye, what you see. Be careful, little ear, what you hear. That's why it's so incredibly important that we keep our ears open, but we keep our ears open for the right type of message. When wisdom of God makes its way to our heart, it's going to bring understanding. An understanding of what's true or false. An understanding of what's right or wrong. And an understanding, most of all, of what's best. I can tell you, I've found that in my life, the best thing that has ever happened to me is Jesus. It is what's best. In Proverbs chapter 4, 
verse 20 and 22, the Bible says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. See, it's referencing the ear and the eye, even in that passage. Keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Back in chapter 1, in verse 5 of Proverbs 1.5, the Bible says a wise man will hear and will increase in learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Listen, if we are truly hearing the Word of God, if we're truly hearing, not just listening and then letting it go, you know, letting it run through the round, this ear and right on out the next, if we're truly hearing the Word of God, then application is going to follow. There's no way that you can have a correct fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of knowledge, hear God's word, and then turn around and say, I don't want to have anything with God's, I don't want to have anything to do with God's word. See, if we have a right recognition of who God is, we're going to have a rightful respect and obedience for what God says. Be wise by being receptive. Be wise by keeping our ears open. Number three, verse number three, be wise by crying out for wisdom. Verse number three says, yea, if, there's that word again, if thou criest after knowledge and lifteth up thy voice for understanding. This is communicating, just this one simple verse is communicating the need for you and I to consistently be praying to God that he might bless us with his grace of wisdom. We're all very familiar with uh, James chapter 1. And uh, in James chapter 1, beginning in verse number 5, James writes this, he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And, notice what he says, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that waveth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And then notice what he says in verse number 7, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Listen, I wonder how fervently do we pray to God for wisdom. How many times are we operating according to God's wisdom versus how many times are we operating according to what we think is best? I've done it. You say, well, sure, you are. You've done it. You're a sinner. I got news for you. Be careful about pointing fingers. Be careful about pointing fingers because when you point the finger, there's three more pointing right back at me, myself, and I. And it does happens the same way with you. Listen, James says, if you're going to ask God for wisdom, you better ask in faith, believing that he says what he says is true, and you better believe that he's going to give you what he says he's going to give you. And if you're, if you're confused about this thing, don't think you're going to be receiving wisdom. If you're thinking, well, I'm going to ask God for wisdom, but I'm not real sure he's going to give it, so I'm going to go ahead and prepare my own way as plan B. There is no plan B. There's his plan, and that's it. His way, His plan, His word is true. And everything else, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. God's word is true. And so we have to, if we're, gonna, if we're going to be wise, we have to understand where wisdom comes from. It doesn't come from inside of my mind. It comes from the mind of God. Listen, it's been my experience that when I cry out for God, it does something to the heart of God. 
When it has been in our lives, when Krista and I have cried out to God, it has been incredibly evident to us that that's when God moves into action and that's when God takes pleasure in moving into action because he sees that we have humbled ourselves and that we're crying out because we have a recognition that we can do nothing of our own selves but that only through Jesus Christ will anything be done. I like what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse number 9. The Bible says, but it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things. Now pay attention to that phrase, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now let's just think about this for a second. How are we going to know these things that God hath prepared for us? Well, verse number 10 tells us, notice, it says, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. See, folks, it's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God that work together in harmony to produce the wisdom in the child of God. The Word of God and the Spirit of God work together in harmony to produce wisdom in the child of God. Knowing something is one thing. I like this. Understanding is completely different. I was talking with uh, one of our men that's an electrician the other day. And I said, barring an electrical storm or barring some malfunction in the wiring setup or, or the connectivity to the uh, substation, barring anything that's wrong, I have an understanding that when I flip the light switch back there, lights are going to come on. But I don't understand how it works. Similarly speaking, <laughs> I know that if I push that little button on that box that sits under a part of my desk, the computer is going to come on. I don't understand how I can email you and in your house all across the world you can receive that email instantly. I don't understand it, but I know it works. The same thing is true when we get into God's Word. Knowing one thing is knowing something is one thing. Understanding is completely different. See, Paul even said, there's some things, guys, that you're not going to be able to understand. There are some mysteries of God that you'll never understand. But there are some things that we can understand. And it comes from being in God's Word. I like the, the Apostle Paul in his first prayer to the church at Ephesus. In chapters 1, 2, and 3, he gives them a doctrinal lesson. And then in following that, he gives them the practical lessons in chapters 4, or 5, and 6. And in, in chapter 1, he has a prayer for the uh, believers at Ephesus. And then in chapter 3, he, ha he has another prayer for these believers in uh, the church at Ephesus. And in verses 17 and 18, the Apostle Paul says this in the midst of his prayer. He says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you, this is what he prays for, that he would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Listen, we have to have to cry out for wisdom. And if you notice the end of verse 3, it says, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lift up thy voice for understanding. I was reading a commentary the other day and he was suggesting... And what caught my attention was every time I turn on the TV, every time I listen to the news on the radio, it seems like people are protesting something. You know, tomorrow they'll be protesting the flavor of ice cream sold down here. It, it's always something that we're protesting. This commentator, 
he actually used the end of verse number 3 and he suggested that if we wanted as believers to protest something, that we ought to get up and protest ourselves, our own biblical illiteracy and cry out to God for some greater spiritual wisdom and knowledge. Wow. The shoe fits, we must wear it. We must be wise by crying out for wisdom. And then finally, I close, we need to be wise by searching in the right place. Verse number four says, If, again, thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. I think about years ago, I did a little, little side look out on the uh, internet. Uh, back in the 1850s, and I know there were only a few of you that were alive during the 1850s <laughs> here today. But there was a great host of people, thousands and thousands of people in this country moved westward in search of wealth. In the great gold mine rush, in the, in the silver. They went looking for gold and silver in the mountains of Colorado's, in the caves and, and the rivers of California. They went in search of this great wealth. The, the, the stories go on and talk about how they lived hard lives. They suffered sickness. They faced starvation. They endured terrible storms along the way. And I, al- I also read one, one uh, report that said that one out of every five miners died never having attained much wealth at all. And yet as I read the story, it was apparent to me that even though they were going to face all these things, they went anyway. And these gold miners, they persevered to the end. They kept digging, they kept mining, they kept seeking for the treasures that those mountains, caves, and streams would yield. When I think about our search for treasure, the Bible here says, If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures. You see, if we're going to be wise, then a choice is going to have to be made. A choice is going to have to be made as to where and how we're going to go about searching biblically for this type of treasure. Speaking of wisdom, in Proverbs chapter 8, the Bible says in verse 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Proverbs 3, verse 13, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding, for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not To be compared to her. Listen, the treasure of godly wisdom will only be found by digging into this treasure trove right here. The treasure trove of God's word. We must, we must be seeking for it. Proverbs 8.35 says, For whoso findeth me findeth light and shall obtain favor of the Lord. That's speaking of the wisdom of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, 162, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. If you do your history, you'll know that at the end of any battle, what did the soldiers do? They would walk through the battlefield and they would search on the dead soldiers that had died in the battle. They would search their persons for the valuable things that they had on their their bodies, whether it be uh, ammunition, whether it be food, whether it be whatever it was. It was a bounty, if you please. They would search for that spoil. I remember as a child playing hide-and-seek. Each one of those illustrations took work. 
I couldn't find my friends hiding in the neighborhood just by standing doing nothing. Those soldiers at the end of a battle would not be able to replenish their own food supplies and gain other things to help them to continue the battle without doing some work. The same is true when it comes to God's wisdom. Listen, we'll never be wise unless we are diligent in our efforts until we're devoted to continuing the journey of faith that we have been set on, until we're determined in our commitment to find godly wisdom. J. Vernon McGee, Bible commentator, he said this. He said, there's no hocus-pocus way of learning God's word. There's no easy, pious way of learning it. There is no substitute for just digging it out. I believe he's right. There's no substitute for just digging it out. But the good news for me, especially, and for all of us, is that you don't have to have a high IQ to receive the wisdom of God. Because the Bible tells us in verse number 6 that it's the Lord that gives wisdom. Notice verse 5 and 6. Because these two verses, as we wrap it up, they confirm the results. Verse 5 says, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord that you read about back in Proverbs 1.7 and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. I was thinking of men and women in the Bible who knew this and understood this. I think about Job. We talked about Job a little bit in a different way in our Sunday school class this morning. But I think about Job. Job knew that his wisdom and strength, he knew exactly where it resided. He knew that his wisdom, he knew that his strength resided in the Lord. In fact, in Job 12, verse 13, speaking of God, Job says this. He said, with him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. I think about Daniel. Daniel had a correct understanding of God's wisdom as well. In Daniel chapter 2, Daniel answered and said in verse 20 and following, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I was talking with one of our men's about the difference between darkness and light this morning. Turn with me. I want you to see one thing and then we'll pray. Psalm 121, Psalm 121, I want you to notice something. See, not only did Job know and Daniel know where their wisdom resided, but David, he also knew this as well. He knew exactly where his wisdom resided. And notice what he says in Psalm 121. What a beautiful passage of Scripture. The Bible records this. It says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made the heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Listen, David was a man after God's own heart, but David was also a sinful man. He might have been a man after God's own heart, but David was also a sinful man. And David recognized that he had a need for help. He not only recognized that he had a need for help, his attitude was that he needed to keep looking, keep learning, and keep waiting for his God to help and to supply his wisdom. 
and his understanding. And ultimately, what I know from David's life is that his confidence relied on the Lord. You know where he says in 1 Samuel chapter 30? He says he had to encourage himself in the Lord. God's word, God's word was a key factor in David's relationship with the Lord. And because of God's word in David's life, he was able to become wise. And I want you to know, guys, that you and I can be wise too. We just have to go to the right place. So I encourage you today, be wise by being receptive. Be wise by keeping our ears. Let's be wise by keeping our ears open. Let's be wise by getting back on our knees and crying out to God for wisdom. And let's be wise by being mindful to search in the right place for the wisdom that really is going to make a difference in my life and in your life. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, I want you to know that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us so that you could have that wisdom, so that you could know that God loves you, so that you could know that He had a plan for your life. If you have never recognized the fact that you need Christ in your life, I pray that you'll do it right now, today, while you still have time. You say, is that a threat? I don't threaten anybody. I don't. That's God's Word. It's true. The Bible says our life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while, and then it vanishes away. The Bible also says that every man is going to die. And after death, the Bible talks about in Hebrews 9, 27, then comes the judgment. Every one of us will stand before God and give an account of what we've done in this life, what we've done with His gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that you'll make a decision for Christ today. Let's pray. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.